All right, as promised, I said I was going to bring in an expert when it came into lawn and gardening, and we have one. Jacob Drummer's with us today. What's happening, man? Not much. How about you? Now we're into the month of June here, and over the last, I would say, two years, we've had like uh, a drought, right? It seems like we would get some moisture in the, in the winter, obviously, but it's been a pretty dry summer. Yep. There's been a lot of drier summers lately with a lot of extra heat. Right. And it looks, if the weather's correct, and usually... It depends. Right. It's going to be another hot summer with a little bit less water. That's what they're predicting for June already for the yep. extended forecast. What's the best preventative measures you can take right now? So when it comes middle of July, we're not all staring at these brown fields we have in the backyard. So you can uh, do mulch. A lot yeah. of people, if you do mulch around your shrubs, it's going to keep moisture underneath the mulch. So then usually your shrubs and your perennials will do a little bit better with water, right. but it's just, you're going to have to keep an eye on them. So is it, do you, is it best to water every day? No. No. It depends on what you're putting in. Um, if it gets to these really long, dry stretches, right? they'll start showing signs. If it's a new thing you put in a year or two ago, they're not going to have an established root, but they're not going to need water every day. A lot of uh, trees and shrubs, you can water them once a week. Um, so evergreens like it a little bit drier. They don't want to be watered every day, which is overwatering is what kills most plants. See, most people don't know that, mm -hmm. right? So you can overwater shrubs. Absolutely. So the, what do they just drown? Basically. Yep. No kidding. Yep. Their roots aren't able to bring in oxygen and other uh, nutrients that just gets flushed out the pot or the soil. Right. So they'll just drown without being able to aerate and respirate on right. the roots and they'll just drown. That's crazy. So how, if you have, first of all, you'd have to identify which, what you have around your house, right? Because they all have to be different. Yep. And that's advice they can obviously get from you guys at Drummers, of right? Yeah. yeah. We've got plenty of people that are happy to talk about, you know, where it is, what it is, how to water it properly. A lot of the times we'll suggest if you're planting a new tree, uh, just get a f old five gallon bucket or a new one, put some holes in the bottom of it. And every other week, if it's a big tree, let that fill up and empty twice, and that should be good enough for the summer. Really? Every other week, yep. Wow, that's crazy. This is an off-the-wall question here. When somebody plants new trees, because I have a neighbor who just put in a couple of sugar maples over here, how fast can you expect them to grow? So the first couple of years as they're establishing roots, it's probably going to be, depending on the variety, a foot some of them can get. Um, a foot a year? Yeah. Really? Wow. When they're young. Um, they just kind of like to grow, but it's going to be a while before you see really like filling in. Yeah. They're going to be kind of thin for a while. Sure. Um, and it, again, it depends on the varieties. So silver maples are a slower growing, but they're more sturdy. Red maples are quicker growing, but they break easier. Um, and then there's crosses between that. And then there's Norway maples. There's a whole bunch of different things that grow at different rates what are the ones that you see like i know there's a few guys here in town along maine and stuff they're shorter than these ones i have up front which i'm are those sugar maples that i have up front they might be they might also be do they what's their fault color it's like a, a really bright orange they're probably a Fremonti maple okay so they're the cross between the silver and the red okay um and, uh, autumn blaze celebration those are the uh, Fremonti maples typically the more orangey colors. Right. What are the ones that grow like red? It's almost like a deep red. 
The uh, so those are Norway maples. Okay. Um, a lot of those are really rounded, thick yes. foliage. Yep. They will almost choke out the grass underneath them. They really, such <laughs> dense shade. Yeah. So if you were, if I were, do they do well with the soil we have here? Oh yeah. Okay. So if we were to, if you were to plant, would one? Do they like sunlight? Obviously, all yeah. trees do, right? If I were to plant one back in the near the ravine here, where I would just had you walking in our backyard, would one do well back there? Oh yeah. Because I love the look of those things. Mm-hmm. They're fantastic. And But I, I do understand what you're saying with the shade because they they seem lower and wide and really thick. Yep. So if I were to buy one of them and put it back here, how many years do you think it would be before it looked like a tree? I'm talking maybe 15 feet tall and, mm-hmm. and, and full. Yeah, well, they're probably, the ones we have at the store right now are probably 10-ish already. Sure. Um, so to get up to a full rounded size, it'd probably be at least a minimum of five years, but it would, that's to me, that's pretty fast. Mm -hmm. So in a decade, in 10 years, you could have a legit tree in your backyard. I did not know that because I was, when I look at some of these, like this Oak that is in my backyard, that's gotta be over a hundred years old, right? Yep. It's like you, and then even this ash tree, I can't even imagine how old that is because I have pictures of when this house was built in 1959. Mm -hmm. Those trees are there. Yep. They're not big, right? But they're there, which is incredible to me. Oh, yeah. And all trees have a different growth rate. So really? oaks are the slowest growing typically. How long, how long will an oak tree live if you just, if it has ideal conditions and nobody messes with it? There's been, like some of those trees at the, the science museum where it's the big stump on the wall, basically. Those trees are hundreds of years old and oak trees can do the same as long as they're you know, in the right environment for right. them. I can do the oldest I think I've ever heard of was 200. So like, uh, have, have you been to the Blue Earth County Fairgrounds in Garden City? I don't believe so. Okay. Well, they have, there's this, they have these huge oak trees and it's just natural shade that creates this natural canopy. They're twice the size. of <laughs> So I'm wondering, so that's, they've got to be over 150 years old, right? That's incredible. I, I'm getting off on, but this is a, we can talk about a lot of different things here, but tree trimming, as long as we're talking about trees, when is the best time to do that? Trimming, it can be done a lot of different times. Um, I tell people to avoid the spring right? because that's when a lot of um, fungal and diseases are out because it's wet. How, how early, what, like let's say early March, would that be still spring or would that in Minnesota here or would that be all right? Um, typically you'd probably want to do it either before the buds come out or before or after the leaves fall. Sure. So the, um, is the fall a good time? I'd say so. Okay. Um, a lot of these, it depends on what tree you have. Right. Um, if they're not as common, but if you have a magnolia tree, basically don't touch it until all the flowers are done. Sure. Um, they set their buds for their flower buds. They flower first. So they set their buds in the fall. Um, and if you trim them in the fall, they're not going to flower. Right. So it depends on the type of tree, but a lot of them can do as long as I tell people just to avoid spring because that's when if you're making wounds or anything, insects and uh, diseases are going to go after them because they'll have an open wound. And is it true that uh, like if you're going to trim oak trees, dead of winter, is that true? I've heard that, yeah. Because it's I, it's something to do with what you talked about with like fungal and stuff and they get all kinds of different things, oh, yeah. right? That's crazy. and. and I tell you what, it drives me nuts when people just indiscriminately take down trees because it takes so long, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. to get them where they are. It's just, it's just crazy. All right, 
uh, we'll, we'll have to have another conversation about trees as we get closer to fall. But the lawn, I took you out. This is a big thing with guys this time of year, not just guys. So don't at me. Don't send me an email if you're a woman and you do the, you do the yard work. But uh, if we're headed for another summer, like we just had for the, for the last two, by about middle of July. It doesn't even take that long. I would say if we don't start getting rain, you'll start to see the effects within a couple of weeks, right? So what's the best things that you can, first of all, with watering, how often should you water? It depends on your lawn. You know, if it's newer, probably more often. Um, Some people, they've had an established lawn and they don't have to water even during the droughts. But it's, you know, it's going to be helpful um, just to water and make sure you're watching your lawn right um just so you don't dry it out completely or overwater it because that's right. also gonna cause more damage if you water it too much really yeah like that area like if you have a large sunspot you were telling me that you could most likely water every day if you're planting seeds yeah sure if you're okay. restarting seeds you should water it every day if what about if you just have an established lawn and you want to keep it green uh, there's a lot of things you can do there's you know lawn fertilizers um you can always keep an eye on it i'd say it's it's dependent on your you know your slope of your lawn your sure. how much sun it gets a bunch of different things but watering it is a very you know on scientific thing sure it, it's very dependent on oh, the okay. environment i got you i got you so but one thing you did tell me is that there's different seed i mean because honestly uh in this yard, I noticed all the shaded areas. We'll have a lot of natural shade because the 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 uh, the trees, big, tall, like mature trees, right? But the one sunspot I have turns it just it dies out pretty quick every year. That's because it's probably all the same seed. Yeah. If if I were to put some of that stuff that you were telling me about that grows really good in hot sun, <laughs> is it all the same color? Would it look different? Would I have an odd patch in my backyard? <laughs> Uh, there's some grasses that do have more of a blue tint to them. Sure. But a lot of them will look the same. Because Kentucky bluegrass is what most people have, right? Because it's pretty it's pretty hardy. It's real tough, yeah. Yeah, it's a, like you can do just about anything to it. And here's another thing I hear uh, that people ask all the time. When, whether it's shrubs, whether it's your lawn, whatever, when is the best time to water as far as timing during the day? Um, a lot of morning. Really? Um, because they've already either they're either already wet with the dew or they are gonna dry it out overnight. Yeah. Because overnight is when they do a lot of their uh, respirating and growing. Um, so they that's do- when really. Yeah. That makes sense because when you get up in the morning, and like if you had a fresh cut and you're like, ah, that looks great, and then you get up the following morning and there's a six inch dandelion that came out of nowhere. Yep. Right. So they grow that bad. These grow overnight. Some of them do. Yep. That's crazy. Wow. So. Overnight is when most of your work is done on your lawn, as far as it growing. Sometimes, yeah. It, right. it can, not a lot of growth is done during the day because it's focused on, you know, uptaking photos, you know, doing photosynthesis and other nutrient absorbing properties in the roots. Right. So it has the opportunity to, to work on those um, overnight. Wow. I did not know that. What's the best kind of fertilizer to use? Again, it depends. Right. Um, it depends on what you're trying to do for it. If you want a heavy nitrogen fertilizer to get it to grow fast, um, that's something that people put on. It kind of turns it greener. There's other... There's dangers with that, right? Oh, yeah. You can absolutely burn your... uh, 
It's called burning. Right. Um, with if you fertilize too much. Like what? How do you know? Do you, is it just following the instructions on the bag? There's yep. You follow the instructions on the bag, or you know, a lot of people are like, we looked online and it said to do this. You gotta trust your or find a reliable. Uh, don't source. do that dude that's like when i started working out don't trust the guys on youtube because everybody yeah. everything's different oh, yeah. right yep uh so what i tell people is always go to your university extension page don't find a blog don't go on facebook a lot of those are just people throwing something to the wind right hope to uh get clicks or whatever sure a lot of university pages know what they're talking about and have a lot of good information. So you would say like the university of Minnesota. Yep. So what would, what would be, be how would they find that page? Just look up, you know, uh, lawn care, university of Minnesota extension They You could go directly, just look up university of Minnesota extension and wow. search through their website. Yeah. And you can find all kinds of good advice there, right? Oh, yeah. Because they're familiar with our environment and the soil and everything else. Yep. And there's also, you can, a lot of, some people use other States around ours. So there's, you know, University of Wisconsin or uh, Michigan is something that's, you know, got a similar climate that would be another place to get good information from. Sure. We got to talk flowers, right? And you're good at that, right? <laughs> is, that, is that like your specialty? So I have a, I'm working on my degree in plant science, right? Nursery and floriculture. Sure. So yeah, part of my degree is flowers. What's the most popular flowers that you guys sell for here in Southern Minnesota? I mean, let's go, let's start with annuals. Yep. Uh, most likely petunias. Because they grow so, and, and they yep. and the, there's constant color. Constant right? color, yeah. all kinds of different color. Uh, big, like just a bigger flower. Yeah. Um, or my other one would probably be geraniums. Right. Those are the two that are most common, and I think we have the most of them at yeah. the store. Geraniums, I, I see a lot of people that put the pots out front because they're, they grow so big and there's so much color you can see them from the road. Yep. They also right? do real well in heat and they like less water. Really? So that's why people like those for full full sun. Right. Is they can do more of the heat and the less water. You know, a lot of people have a hard time finding something that's just, like, I mean, we have sun spots, but to have sun all day or shade all day, I mean, most of it, I've discovered that some, I would say most of the plants, if they get a little bit of sunlight in the morning, even like I showed you the uh, coleus I have up front, and I always buy those because they're shaded in the boxes under our front porch, but they get a little bit of sunlight in the morning from the east side, and I every year they gravitate towards <laughs> that, right? So that tells me that they want the sunlight. Yep. So okay. so a coleus aren't, or is, is it just like different? different types of plants absolutely there's so there's one the one that's most people see yeah the impatience so there's the double impatience that like more shade then there's the sun patients that can do the full sun right so there are varieties and species that do better that look similar right so coleus there's the con coleus that are more shady they're gigantic too they have the big leaves yeah and then there's you have to look through the varieties but there's some that do full sun or some that do full sun part sun and there's some that like a little bit more shade. Wow. Because I had Concolius planted last year up front. And they, they did well. All the coleus that I planted there has done well. But uh, they also, <laughs> again, the ones on that far, on the east side will just edge a little mm-hmm. bit towards that sunlight that they get in the morning. What about uh, perennials? 
Coneflowers, daylilies, that's something that I see that a lot go quite a bit. Right. Um, you know, daylilies, it depends on the type, but there's constant blooming daylilies. There's some that only flower once a year or twice a year or something like that. Right. Um, and then coneflowers, a good pollinator plant and just a good color to a lot of them. Very vibrant. Right. Well, hydrangeas, are they big? People oh, yeah. are always asking because there's a science apparently to get different colors of on the flowers. Yep, there's so that's a specific type of hydrangeas. Um, those are more of the shade liking hydrangeas. A lot of the sun hydrangeas that we do a lot of are the white or the red, but on the blue ones, it's the acid in the soil. Um, that's what causes their color to change. Right. Don't really know the specifics of the science, right. but. If you have a higher acid soil, so like if you have anything that does underneath like a pine tree or a spruce tree, those needles cause the soil to become real acidic. Yeah. Well, not, yeah, because it kills your grass. I have a pine mm -hmm. tree. If you look at that one that I have out, it's, it's starting to die. Is it being starved out by that tree next to it? Um, Here, I'll, go ahead. Swing out and take, take a look right over there. It can also depend on like the shade that it gets, but. Right. Spruce and pine trees drop a lot of needles, so it just kind of blankets the ground. Yeah, because there, I can never grow grass underneath mm -hmm. it. It's all, I mean, it's, and it seems to me like the spot underneath is getting bigger every year. Some people told me that if you is there are things you can add to the soil that will that will fix that. Yeah, absolutely. There's a, a lot of people use uh, lime or really lime. Yep, that's a more of a base um, plant or not plant, uh, fertilizer or sure. soil additive. Right. Um, there's some f fertilizers that have lime in it if you want to increase the pH. Sure. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of soil science that involves pH that um, can change how your plants grow completely. And then you could just throw grass seed in there. Yeah, you could. I would love, yeah, I'd like to try that, that, that something because it's just growing, growing, and growing. I'm going to see if I can get that spot back <laughs> to stay green this summer because it's been... Since I moved in here, I've had that problem every single year. And it seems like it gets really, really dry. Is that because of the, if you look back there, there's a slope. I'm right on the edge of a 400-foot ravine that almost goes straight down. Mm -hmm. And I'm assuming that probably, like you were talking about earlier, affects the actual soil, right? Yep, it affects the soil because if it's raining, your water is just going to run off. Right. And it's going to pull in the low spots. Right. So if it runs off... The ground's only going to take in as much moisture as it can, and then it's the rest is going to run off. Right. But when you like you have a low spot, you have water that's going to absorb into the soil, and then it's going to have nowhere to go because sure. there's no more room in the soil. Right. And that's when you get puddles. Right. So the higher spots are going to dry out quicker because they don't have you know any standing or moisture that stays on it. That makes perfect sense. It does. All right, here's one question, and you told me you get a lot of this at the uh, garden center as well. What's, the, what's that one plant that I got on the edge of the ravine back there that I asked you if we could move it? The peony. Yes, the peony, because Jess wants to move that, and I'm like, I think I've heard that if you do, that thing is dead, but you can actually move them. Yep, some of them, like peonies, are like a more of a bulb plant. They're huge, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah they've kind of got a deep root system to it too, so if you can get underneath those plants, yeah. you can absolutely move them. So I could move that now if I got if I dug deep around it mm -hmm. and got it up. Do they prefer sunlight? It depends. Some of them do. Um, I know the fern peonies like a lot of uh, sunlight. They're kind of the more spindly ones. Right. That have a skinnier leaf. Sure. 
Um, but yeah, it depends. Like all the other plants, there's kinds that you know do full sun or part sun. Sure. Be- the funny thing is, like I've got one at the tip of this uh, garden I have up front that gets a little bit of sunlight, but it's odd because some years you'll get a half a dozen or more flowers on them, and I'm looking at it this year, and I got one. Why is that? It can depend on the winter. Um, a lot of the times, you know, people bring us back. We have the warranty on our shrubs and trees, and it's just, yeah, just shrubs sure. and trees. It depends on the winter. You know, if right. you put something in, it gets super cold, it won't make it through the winter, or if it an animal gets to it, or it can depend on a lot of different factors over the winter while it's in its dormant stage. Right. Um, and like the ones I was talking about where it sets buds right. pre-winter. Sure. So like azaleas and magnolia shrubs, they set flower buds before winter, and then that's why they bloom before they flower. Azaleas are amazing. I have right. a neighbor that has one right over here. Now, they're about... Be, the science behind setting your garden up so it cycles, right? That's the thing. So you get the spring bloom with like your tulips and all that other stuff. And then to get the ones that will then come alive in late May and into June and then from June into July. So it's a cycle, right? Yep. So you want it so that way you maintain color throughout the year, right? Yeah. And to figure that out is almost impossible for mo- for the average guy, right? But you guys can offer that advice. Absolutely. We will, we do a lot of that. Um, we'll have customers come in. I want full year summer, and we'll make suggestions. Um, right now, a lot of the nine barks are flowering, or wygelias. Uh, those are kind of a late spring, right. early summer uh, flowering. And then you can find a whole bunch. Of what them. do they look like? They kind of... the. Uh, the nine barks are almost a, a flat kind of white flower. Yeah. It gets like an umbrella is what it's called. Sure. It's like an almost a smaller umbrella. Right. Um, that's just like a flat white flowers. Um, and then wygelias are uh, almost like a tube flower. Yeah. Uh, they kind of are a little more almost, if you've ever seen like the hummingbird flowers. Yes. They look like those. Okay. Around... Like a lot of people use around their house, they use either a uh, a mulch or a uh, or, or river rock or things like that. But I like the earthy look when people like use compost. <laughs> that stuff's a lot more work, though, right? Because oh, yeah. you're going to have to get out there and you're going to have to weed constantly. And it depends on if you put a landscape fabric down before that. Can you put so you can put landscape fabric down and then put the uh, compost on top of that? And still maintain that? You do the compost underneath that. Really? Um, and then you'd probably just, in the next few years, you'd probably just put the compost around the plants you put into it. Oh, gotcha. Um, so if you're going to do the river rock or the mulch look, you'd put the compost around the plants. Um, if you just want the compost look, you could, it'd be, it's, it's harder to maintain. It is. It, I mean, I love the look though, right? If somebody takes the time and they go through that, it's to me it looks it looks the best. Oh yeah. But it's like it is a lot of work. There's yes. not even a question about it. What's the best? I got to ask you one more question before we wrap and then when we continue to talk about things we'll we'll have specific topics, but that's why why just tell people that drummers you're one stop, right? You guys yeah. can, you guys can basically do it all. What is the best way to fertilize your flower beds? So there, it depends. Um if you're doing a like a flower if you have a flower pot Right, they're going to need fertilizer more often, um, but you know there's all diff- different kinds of fertilizer. Um, a lot of people just use the all-purpose because it's 
going to get everything you need for your plants. Sure. Um, I like, what I like to do is I use uh, Osmocote. It's this, the, are these little beads that are a slow release fertilizer. Um, I put that in my, the flower bed that I have and it keeps them fertilized even when I forget to fertilize them. Sure. But I'll do like a all purpose on it every other week if I have an actual flower bed. Yeah. Um, that's sometimes enough, but you know, every other watering to every other week. So, and that's all stuff you can get at drummers, right? Yeah. So you can go there and ask for that. That's good to know because something like that. What about, uh, weed killers? <laughs> Here's because for, for, I bought this in 2015 and every summer past like the first, I've taken the time I bought, a a tool where you go out there and dig dandelions out by the roots. Cause I, I wanted to go for a more natural approach. Right. And believe it or not, it's, it works every year. I have to go out there and I get a few dozen in the back and a few dozen in the front. But if you dig them out, I can tell you for a fact, because I've done it. If you work at that every year, you're going to have less and less and less and less. And then eventually you'll just be plucking, like I said, a couple of dozen out every, right. every spring or summer. But if somebody doesn't want to do that, well, what's, what's the best method for weed killer? I don't know. I, I personally don't know. I, right. don't, I don't use weed killers or what really do you do? suggest them. I hand pick it. See, that's what I do. Right? A lot of people are, we're moving towards a non monoculture lawn. Yeah. Um, cause it's just better for yeah. insects in general. Yeah. Um, Really, it's you're never going to be able to completely have a perfect lawn because, you know, dandelions, they wind disperse their seeds. So it's going to float in yep. from anywhere around you if one of your neighbors isn't taking care of right. dandelions right away or if they're just living out in the woods or whatever. Right. It's never going to get perfect. When you talked about like insects and stuff like that, so all of that underneath what a lot of people aren't, you don't see, that's actually good for your lawn, right? Oh, yeah. Yep. The pollinators love it. Um, no mow maize. A lot of people have seen that. It's good. Um, but yeah, if you have the naturally occurring, you know, people don't like clover in their yard, but it's... It fills in spots. It does fill in right. spots and bees love clover. Oh, really? Yeah. That's one of their most, the, what I see them on most often. Sure. So that's good for pollinator gardens as well, yep. right? right? What's, again, I, I know I was going to tell you, I was going to let you go, but one more question because I have that pollinator garden that I've planted on the back of the ravine. I want to kind of just let that grow and just see what happens for one year. Uh, when I, when I planted that in late April, <laughs> you know, I was anticipating, Oh my God, we'll have all these flowers on Memorial day weekend. We didn't right. There's still like some of them, maybe three inches high, but it takes a while for them to actually flower. Oh yeah. Is, is that stuff, by the way, is it a uh, perennial? Will it come back next year? It depends on the mix. There's really? some perennial uh, wildflower mixes that I know we've had a few at the store. Um, but it all depends. Um, and it depends on what's in the mix. So right. the flowers, they could have, you know, a spring flower. You could have a late summer flower. Right. Um, and it was weird. It, kind of, it was kind of a weird uh, spring Sure. Where it was cold yep. and then it got super hot. Yep. So it's going to mess with a lot of seed germination in general. So if you're hand sowing any vegetables or uh, flower seeds like that, it's going to mess with it a little bit and it might have changed the germination rates. When I next, let's just say next spring when I go back there and I till that up again, would, the, would that same stuff grow or would that screw it all up? 
If you're going to till, it would probably screw it up. There so, might be some that survive, but... So put more seed down if I was going to do that. Or would it be best to just let it go and add more seed next year? You could... Yeah. Always, really? If it gets thin, always you can add, always add more seed. Right. Um, typically, if you add more seed later in the summer, you could probably get two stages of uh, flowering. They, those flowers don't really... They, they flower as they mature. Sure. So they... Um, don't really have a specific season like uh, sedum, right? Where if they're established, they're going to flower in August. Like yeah, Jan- July. August. They get that nice purple, yep. that purple color. And I have a bunch of them around, on, all by the hot tub and stuff. But so, and you were telling me that there's some seed that is like biannual. Yep. Uh, so they flower their first, and or their. It depends that right. they'll flower every other year. Okay. That's what a biannual biannual oh, is defl- defined gotcha. as. Some of them flower their first year when you plant them from seed, yeah. and then they'll take a year off, and then they'll flower next year. Um, so that's what biannual, biannual got flowers it, got are. Got it, got it, got it. And <laughs> here it is, one more question. I always keep saying that. But <laughs> what's the best way to keep deer, rabbits, squirrels, all of that out of your garden? Because they destroy the deer. I think the deer are the worst. You know, people, I understand rabbits with like vegetable gardens and stuff. The squirrels just dig, mm-hmm. right? But the deer in the, in my yard eat, there'll be 12 of them out there in <laughs> spring, right? They eat everything and they come in throughout the summer. They even eat my hibiscus flowers, right? Yeah. They eat everything. What's the best way to stop that? Um, there is like a powder or granule that's um, a lot of people put around stuff that's, it's got a smell. Sure. So they're like dogs where their nose is better than ours. Right. It's, that's just the way they have developed it right. to be safer from predators and stuff. Sure. So smell that stuff. Um, but it just kind of attacks their nose so they don't like the smell and they'll stay away from it. Right. But it's like a granular. You just kind of pour a ring around or in whatever you want to keep protected. Really? Usually, it's usually pretty good at keeping rabbits away too. No kidding. Mm-hmm. That would be fantastic because I've had problems with both this year. Rabbits and deer have been just almost impossible. Yep. And it's... It's a granular, so it'll eventually erode away with like rain and watering and stuff. So to keep it good, you're going to have to make sure you reapply. Right. It goes with a lot of things like fertilizers and other stuff is you're going to have to keep reapplying as it degrades or goes away um, to keep everything looking good all summer. Is 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 the smell enough to where people will be able to smell it? Because nobody likes to sit on their screen porch and smell that stuff. It usually, when we put it out, we can smell it. But typically after that, it's hard for a, you get used to it and it's, you don't notice it as much anymore. I, are you familiar with a, uh, a fertilizer called, is it malorganite or something like that? I, I can't, but I just know that I, I've used it and it stinks, <laughs> right? There's some of that stuff and I'm like, and then you're, you got to wait for it to rain or it takes a week or two and you just get this stench in your yard, but it's an all natural product, but yeah. it's still, I don't, I think they make that out of some kind of sewage recycle or something. Maybe I'm not exactly familiar with that, but okay, a lot yeah. of the stuff with, you know, what's an, in the natural fertilizers, a lot of animal manure. Is it? Um, so they've developed all those, uh, miracle grow stuff. Those are artificial fertilizers that yep. they've developed a way to, uh, produce those without, you know, with the chemicals and stuff. Right. Um, but then there's the ones that are more natural. They'll have a scent to them because there's no way of being able to stop that. Sure. So, well, that's, that's good to know. Well, I got to have you back because I come up with questions uh, all summer long and, and winter, as a matter of fact, as you continue to 
to try to maintain color in your house, right? But this area up here, if you go back, and I'm not making this up, if you go back 50 years, 40 to 50 years, uh, they had a gardening club. Your dad would probably be able to tell you about this. But these, there was a, a group of women, we live in a, a, a neighborhood that was built in the 40s and 50s for a lot of people listening across the country. And a lot of them were women who were married to physicians and stuff. And, they, and this was their thing, right? Mm-hmm. So there's these beautiful garden settings. And I, one of my things I've always wanted to do is bring it back to life. But I'm not going to hire a gardener. So I have to be able to do something <laughs> that I that I can sustain, right? Yep. And I don't think it would be impossible. I like your idea of uh, putting some of that. What was that stuff you put under the mulch? Uh, comp- or <laughs> landscape fabric. Yes. Because yep. I, I don't know. I mean, I think there may have been, but that stuff eventually rots, right? Uh, if you use... Maybe not the new stuff. Maybe the stuff they put it in the 60s and 70s, sure. right? A lot of the new stuff is kind of a plastic. Oh, okay. Um plastic strands that are kind of interwoven that creates the, like a mesh. Right. So it'll degrade as like weeds push up through them. Sure. Um, when they get older, they'll get a little weaker and weeds will be able to get through them. But and, and if you have existing plants, what do you do? Do you just, when you're laying that down, do you just cut around your existing plants? Yep. That's what a lot of people do. Um, usually those only get laid down in my experience when I help with landscaping. Sometimes. Sure is they you lay it down before you put anything in. Sure. I've only I've really only put it in when you're doing something new. Yep. But you can absolutely cut around your Be, plant. Because the ideal situation was if if it was new, you could just cut the holes in then, right? Yep. And put anything where you want it. Yep. Oh god, that'd be if I could start over like that, that'd be fantastic. All right, Jacob, thanks for stopping by, man. We'll have to have you back cuz there's a lot we can talk about. Oh, yeah. Thanks for having me.